Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Thank you guys for joining me once again. I really appreciate it. I have a guest with me today. He's an employee at the mission. He's new there. He, I consider him a friend, even though we haven't known each other a great deal of time. You know, we often talk about how discouraging things can be in society as a general rule, about the homeless and all the things that are going wrong, and it sometimes can be uh, very daunting for everyone And we don't know what to do, you don't know what to do, those type of things. So let's give you some good news. First of all, uh, we purchased a house not very long ago that uh, we are calling Redemption House, and we are starting to move some of the men into Redemption House with one of our chaplains. And so the whole idea of this is a man graduates the program, and we just don't want to send people straight back out to the street. We want to invest our lives in these men so that we don't, you know, many times people ask me, what do we do with a homeless? Well, there's a myriad of answers you're going to find about what the problem is with the homeless. The first thing is we can't cure the problem of the homeless. That That's not going to happen. We're always going to have these problems. It just depends on how big they are. What is the purpose of the mission? Purpose of the mission is to feed and clothe and house with the idea that there is a message that goes out 365 days a year about the good news, the hope that can be found only in Christ Jesus. And so when the men come on the program, they're not required to be Christians, but I always tell everybody they're going to hear about the redemptive power of Christ every single moment of every single day that we're out there. And so we have specially trained chaplains to let them know, to counsel them, to see them through, not just to get them off drugs and alcohol. If we just got them off drugs and alcohol or whatever their particular addiction was and cleaned them up without Christ, we would be sending them out clean and sober into a Christless eternity into darkness. That is not what our goal is. Everything that we do in the office as we, as we hire people, as we make directions for the mission, is geared towards the idea of telling people about Jesus and doing it in a way that is 100% accurate, truthful in every way. We don't compromise the gospel message. Uh, we don't try to dance around the head of a pin. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and it's the only way into heaven. We want to share that with you. Not everybody is going to uh, be saved. However, we are going to be pronouncing to the world that grace that God has showed each one of us who are there at the mission. So to that end, Jonathan Yang is our newest employee. So, Jonathan, uh, why don't you uh, say hello to the folks? Yeah, well, thank you, Pastor Tim, and uh, all those listening. I'm I'm excited to to be with the Union Gospel Mission. I think I think this is four four weeks now that uh, I am with the mission, 
And uh, yeah, excited to be here, excited to be on the show. And um, I guess my role, my title, official title is public relations manager, working in the development, fundraising, kind of marketing communications world uh, at Union Gospel Mission. And yeah, just kind of seeing where that leads us. I know this is kind of a new role, a new space uh, for me and for the mission. And so um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to just kind of seeing where, where God leads this. And I think that uh, we got the right guy to be here with us. We, As he said, we're not really sure of exactly what this is going to morph into. But what I am sure about is that God brought Jonathan there and that we have a place and a purpose for him being there. So you might ask yourself, why, why do you need more staff? We need more staff because we need to develop all the opportunities that we have for the mission. We need to grow not for growth's sake, not for capital's sake, but we need to grow to be able to expand, to do more things for more people. You know, we've been working very hard to develop a women's program as well, and eventually we have every hope of getting a place that we can use like the mission is for men, women that need to have counseling, recovery, whatever the case might be, in a live-in situation. We've already got the showers for the ladies and the women's clothes closet, but you know we don't want to stop trying to reach to all the world. I, I think that a good example of that is Paul didn't just go out and say, well, you know, I've got Philippi, and I've got, I'll just stop here. Mm -hmm. His role was always to continue to grow, Mm. to continue to expand the kingdom. And again, it's not like a corporate takeover of, you know, we just got to be number one. No, the whole idea is that we want to spend our resources in God's kingdom but we want to ever expand that kingdom in our reach. And we do what the churches can't always do. They, uh, we are specialized in this kind of, of workings, whether it's the homeless, whether it's the showers we do. The, so we're not the church, but we're part of the church. We're an arm of the church. We are to come alongside the churches and try to do some of the things that they can't, and then take these men and get them in healthy, well-balanced, Bible-believing churches. Mm-hmm. And so uh, tell me a little bit about you personally. Are you married? Yes, married. Married to my wife, Amy, uh, nine years. All right. And so not no children yet? No children yet. Lord willing, soon, hopefully. But uh, so, I mean, it must be somewhat of a culture shock for you to come to the mission? Yes and no. I mean, I think yes in that there's kind of a culture shock for a couple of reasons. Maybe the reasons that people may not expect. I think the biggest culture shock was I spent my seven years, uh, my seven years of working in the secular world and now working in a explicitly Christian environment. So that's been the biggest culture shock has been, you know, I've worked in the nonprofit world my whole career. And um, so mission-driven work, uh, 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 trying to do impact, impactful things. I mean, that's not new to me, but to do it for um, the greatest mission possible, right? To, to do it for work that has eternal consequences, that's the, been the biggest culture shock. And so, um, you know, I mean, to be honest, like working with the homeless, working with 
I mean, that that hasn't been as much of an issue for me. I mean, just, you know, I, I, I expected that, you know, I mean, I knew that's the kind of demographics I'd be working with. But I think working with explicitly Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people, um, doing work that uh, has eternal consequences, that's been the biggest culture shock for me. And trying to just rewire my brain and my thinking from you know, earthly metrics. I mean, in the nonprofit secular world, I mean, everything is about just how do we continue to to justify our existence? How do we continue to, you know, bring in the dollars and kind of shift to see, you know, where, where's all the money coming from to thinking about kingdom impact? That's been the biggest culture shock for me and the greatest excitement, honestly. I think it's really forcing me to rethink, um, you know, how we measure success and impact and all these kinds of things, knowing that, um, you know, the worldly earthly metrics, they're not going to, they're not going to apply here. Yeah, and I absolutely and uh, I was not part of the nonprofit world, but <clears throat> I had owned a business for many years, and I had worked in insurance and mm-hmm. other things. <clears throat> and so, one of the culture shocks for me was nonprofits function in a different right, uh, different way. Absolutely right. And uh, unfortunately, so many people that are in faith-based organizations may not have much of a business background. Right, right. And so consequently, if you don't have the right people in place, you can really waste a lot of time and money. And uh, one guy, (laughs) I have always said that we take no government money because Mm -hmm. we don't do anything that will impact our message about Christ. And so to make it optional is, we just can't go there. Right. And so after I had said that on the radio, he wrote me a kind of an unkind letter and said, why don't you crawl down off the cross and help more people? Mm, mm, mm. Okay, well, first of all, that's a misconception Mm -hmm. that because we are out there and we're asking for our donors to donate to us, that for some reason, if we would do less advertising, Mm -hmm. we could do more of that money to doing what we do. Mm -hmm. The reality is, if you don't keep your name out there, if you don't do the advertising thing, if you don't spend the money to do those Mm -hmm. things, you will soon dry up and have no impact on the community. Right. The question is not getting more money or donations to flow in. It's when you get those donations Mm -hmm. to flow in, what are you going to do with them, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So Jonathan came to work for us, and, and Jonathan, uh, I'm not trying to tell tales out of school, but obviously we could never pay you what you were used to doing. But there are other benefits, and by that I mean spiritual benefits, that, that I'm sure that you will see as I did when I came into the mission 18 years ago, right? Right. And so— uh, I think what I like about Jonathan, one of the things, there's many things to like, he's a likable guy, is the fact of his enthusiasm for the cause of Christ and his decision-making, and not just his, but his wife. Uh, Because I told him when he was thinking about the job, deciding where he was going to come to work, Mm -hmm. and we really wanted him to work with us, but... Uh, that's always up to God. Uh, I think you probably remember I said, well, I want you to go and pray, but I want you to pray with your wife and talk to her. Uh, For all the years that Olga was alive, I 
always consulted her with everything that we did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes a relationship happen correctly. Absolutely. But it also works that way when you are, we're in a unique situation. We are a mission, Mm -hmm. but we're a business too. And it has to function in both capacities. Mm -hmm. So how do you see that symbiotic relationship? Great question. That's such a good question. And I think... um, you know, a parable from Luke chapter 16, I, I have really just been meditating on mo- more than ever this past year, but just, you know, most of my Christian life. I mean, it, it's probably one that I think gets people most confused because it seems confusing, um, but I think there, it's just so deep, and it has a profound impact on the way I think about your question about the relationship between resources and business and the kingdom. And so, um, you know, for those who don't know, Luke chapter 16 is the parable of dishonest manager. And Mm -hmm. this is the parable where Jesus tells of um, there's this manager and he is stewarding his master's estate and his stuff. uh, And his master comes out and, and pretty much fires this guy. And he, he realizes, and we don't know the length of time between his firing and when he leaves, but he realizes, oh shoot, I got fired. I'm going to lose my job. And so he says to himself, yeah. "Well, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't beg. I'm too proud to beg, uh, and I can't do labor work. And so, what am I going to do?" He and he and he says, "I know what I'm going to do." And what he ends up doing is he gets all the people that owes his master money. You know, they they owe him some stuff, and he says, "How much do you owe? You know, you owe X amount. Okay, write down. You know, fifty percent less of that. How much do you owe? Okay, you owe that amount. Write down less of that." And so he is. Um, uh, trying to essentially use his position and use the resources that he has to make friends for himself because he's trying to secure a future for himself. He knows he's, he's going to get fired. He knows his time is limited. So he uses that which is not his own to secure a future for himself. And uh, Jesus says that the master comes back and commends him for his shrewdness. Right? The master comes back and says, wow, you're really shrewd. Uh, and Jesus <laughs> sort of takes this. And he says these really profound statements. He says, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may welcome you into the eternal dwellings. And man, I mean, this is just, and then it goes on. I mean, the the whole thing is just so worth studying and just, uh, you can spend a lifetime thinking about this. And and all this to say, to answer your question, the way I think about the relationship between resources and kingdom work and business is that, you know, people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, they spend billions to build their empire here on this earth. You know, Elon Correct. Musk wants to send people to Mars. That's great. You know, Jeff Bezos, is, Amazon's going to be the world empire. You know, I mean, uh, we got billionaires trying to um, uh, win things of this world. But Jesus says that they're going to fail, right? All these things are going to fail. And when it fails, what's going to happen? Uh, and my hope is that we would use that which God has given us that's not our own, that which is limited and that which will fail. And hopefully people on the other end will say, hey, thanks for using that money, that that resource, all that to bring me into the kingdom. And so all that to say is I think it totally matters the way we think about business, the way we utilize resource, the way we steward things. But I think for me, the end goal is how we're going to use this to be shrewd, like Jesus is saying, to win people over for eternity. How do we use the money that we earn, the microphones, the technology, the internet, all this kind of stuff? How do we use this to ultimately... Uh, uh, advance kingdom interests and eternal things. And so I think that's the part that Jesus is saying, hey, if you're really shrewd, you know that this time is short. Use that which is not your own to secure that which is eternal. And so um, that's kind of a, a long and you know drawn-out answer to the question of, I think the way I think about business and, and operations, and especially in the kingdom world now, is how do I use all this? How do I steward the money people are giving us 
for eternal purposes, for kingdom purposes. And, and that's the question that keeps me excited right now. And that's what I'm hoping to do at UGM. Yeah. And of course you, you chose a parable that has been debated and argued about for years. Absolutely. Uh, But to your point, uh, we need to do everything that we can legally and morally so that we can draw in, so we can use that to build the kingdom, as you said. Sometimes donations are going to come from people that may not be interested in the kingdom, but they're only interested in feeding the homeless. Right. And, you know, it's like if you send in something and it's designated, well, then we use it as you intended it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. We have different designated accounts. Uh, That's all part of integrity. But we know that the most important thing that we can possibly do is tell people about Christ. It still takes, you know, it's like a missionary. Missionary can have all the good intention in the world, but if if the money isn't there to send that missionary over there, if they can't sustain their living while they're there, they don't get the opportunity to tell people. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the aspects that we have to look at it from uh, the business-type point Mm -hmm. of view. Mm -hmm. But we can never let the business part of it overshadow what uh, what we truly are trying to do, and that's... That's be a mission within the city, right? Right, right. And it is an amazing thing to me over the last 18 years, Jonathan, that I've been there. I have had lunch with millionaires Mm -hmm. and prayed in the afternoon with homeless people. Mm -hmm. And I have program guys that want to talk to you and businessmen that want to talk to you. And you know what? It's all part of the work of the kingdom, isn't it? Right, right. So it's not there's nothing vulgar about trying to expand our our donor base or whatever. Absolutely right? not. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I think uh, again the question is um what what really matters at the end of the day, you know? I mean, and if okay, suppose this hypothetical question, right? It's totally hypothetical, but let's say I went to somebody, a, a fellow Bible believing, Jesus loving Christian, and I say, "Hey, uh $10,000" We'll, we'll, we'll get this person to heaven. Like, okay, that's obviously not the gospel. Well, suppose right. I said that to them. I said, hey, you know, if you pay $10,000, this person's going to go to heaven. Any right person in their mind would, would be like, that's it? You know, it reminds me of the ending of the movie Schindler's List, you yeah. know, and, and it, you know, uh, he, he he's there with, you know, all the people that he saved, and, and he kind of goes to this... Uh, uh, just kind of crisis, and it's like you know this pin, like wh- this pin was you know could have had you know three people save people. This car, why would I keep this car? That could have been a hundred people. And so um, I think that's the kind of attitude I'm having of like, okay, the only reason why we're trying to increase you know um, funding is if it's going to be pointed for eternal purposes, right? Correct. At the end of the day, when we're all said and done, you know, wouldn't we want to look back and say, oh, that you know, man, ten thousand dollars. What what's ten thousand dollars? Compared to you know one person in eternity, what's ten thousand dollars to get somebody into the new life program or whatever for the opportunity for them to hear the gospel? You know that's just one less vacation. That's you know a couple of weeks where I you know I'm not going to eat steaks and lobster or whatever. Um, but you're going to have eternal consequences. So that's the way I think about it. Is um, you know we're not growing for the sake of growth's sake, but right. uh, it's really if this actually has eternal consequences, then it's totally 
worth it. And if and if more people, again, like-minded people see that, I think that's that's the thing. We're not coercing people. Like, I'm not forcing people. We're not trying to manipulate people or no. trying to swindle them and like, hey, give us your money. Um, it's if you <laughs> if you see the value in this and if this resonates with you, then then I think that's the that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I think that you and I have talked about the fact that during the COVID COVID outbreak, that we refuse to do any advertising trying to pull the heartstrings of people with COVID or about COVID. And one of the reasons that uh, we took that stance was the fact that that is, in my opinion, and I'll use the word again, a vulgar manipulation of Mm -hmm. people's emotions. Mm -hmm. We're not trying, and you put it well, we're not trying to coerce anybody into, um, we're not guaranteeing that if you pay us $10,000, we're going to get somebody in heaven. That we can't do that, and and that's not what Jonathan's saying either. But one thing for sure, we know that the ongoing grinding away every day of of the work of the kingdom mm-hmm. and the expansion of it that there that God will use us to tell people, and those people, many of which will come and they'll come to the Lord and they'll stay. Mm-hmm. And they will be saved. And at the end of the day, we're just wanting to do what God told us to right. do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as far as, as the mission goes, one of the questions I ask people who are coming for employment, and I'm sure I ask you, I don't really remember, but I have always asked everybody, if you didn't need the money, mm-hmm. would you still want to be here? mm mm, mm. And uh, I, can, I think you can see the value in that mm-hmm. question. Absolutely. Yeah. And so really if, if, if there was, and obviously you've taken a step down in pay, but if you didn't need any money at all, would you still want to do what you're doing at the mission? Well, that's an interesting. I think there's multiple layers to that question. I, I would, sure. let, me, let me answer it this way. I think if I didn't have to worry about money, the, 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 what we're doing at Union Gospel Mission is definitely something I would want to be a part of. Yeah. Now, in what capacity? I mean, I think you know that that would kind of flex, you know, a little I bit. I think it's like, for anybody. Well, yeah. What I need to do development work? Like, yeah, may, maybe you know. But I would still love to be a part of what God's doing there. I think it is absolutely worthwhile. I think I think what we offer to local churches and what we're doing for um, those that I mean, quite literally, who else is thinking about these people as as much as we are, giving them true hope. Um, and I think, uh, I think absolutely I would still be a part of it and I would still want to be involved. I, 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 I kid you not, I kid you not, Pastor Tim, when, when I was going through just the process of thinking about whether or not I was going to mm. work at Union Gospel Mission, I said to myself, I said, you know what, if, even if I didn't take this job, I would still want to offer my two cents and my help and support, you know, oh, in, in this development world, because I, I saw the opportunity. I saw, okay, there, there's a need here. There's opportunity. I, I think they're at a point in their, in their history where, you know, crucial decisions are going to be made where like, you know, I think God can, can, can really use this ministry. And so I saw that. And so irrespective of the pay, I, I definitely would have wanted to be a part of what God's doing here. Well, we're kind of out of time, and so I would like Jonathan to stay over, and and we will do another show because I know there's a lot of interest, interesting things. And to your point, uh, I feel exactly the same way, and I have no doubt that you feel that way. Uh, regardless of money or pay, 
I would still want to be part of what this mission does because I believe in this mission. Right. Uh, I didn't disappear during COVID until I went to the hospital uh, because I felt my place was there at the mission. Mm, mm, mm. So folks out there, come again. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.